Osiris. It's really important if you're creating to feel like your voice is heard or even to feel like you are important enough to speak your opinions. I literally would rather do another job than do something out of obligation for the industry part of it because to me obligation is the antithesis of creativity and you shouldn't be forced to create anything. Hi, this is Maggie Rose. You're listening to Salute the Songbird on Osiris Media. Salute the Songbird is a platform for women in music to share their stories and let their voices be heard. And everyone has a seat at the table. everybody, welcome to Salute the Songbird. I'm your host, Maggie Rose, and I'm so excited. This is episode two of season three. Dang! You guys have been so wonderfully supportive. Thanks for helping me keep this going. Better know I'm not going to stop. We have so much exciting stuff ahead, and today is no exception. I'm talking to Aubrey Sellers and Jade Jackson of the relatively new duo, Jackson Sellers. And they are both very successful solo artists in their own right. They've made several solo albums. But this conversation is such a wonderful conversation because you can just tell their admiration for each other is so genuine. And they came together during the pandemic to form a wonderful collaboration and duo that yielded their incredible debut album as Jackson Sellers called Breaking Point. So I think it's a great extension of what Salute the Songbird is about, just listening to these women talk about their admiration for each other as individuals and as talents is really a fun conversation to behold and be a part of. Aubrey Sellers, I met a while ago when we were both playing the CMT Next Women event at City Winery in Nashville a couple years ago. We were part of the same class, and she's the daughter of Leanne Womack and of Jason Sellers, so she's got music in her blood. This is my first time actually getting to speak with Jade Jackson, but she's been really fun to watch from afar. So I have both of them on the conversation today, and it's an episode full of wisdom and insight. Their debut album, Breaking Point, was written during the pandemic, and it's an incredible debut for two creative artists who came together rather unexpectedly. They played back-to-back sets at Americana Fest a couple years ago, and while they didn't get to physically meet that evening, they started following each other on Instagram, as one does, and that led to a musical kinship when Jade reached out to Aubrey about singing on one of her songs called Hush. And that song made it onto their album. We talk about what it was like to write music, being so close to each other as collaborative partners. We talked about how to step away from the chaos of the industry, especially if they're an introvert, which Aubrey admits to being, and how important it is to reconnect with your creative self. 
We talked about how they value having their voices heard by each other, by the industry, not giving in to pressure to deliver something just because the industry or the people around you demand it. Aubrey and Jade have worked hard at balancing their art with the work of being an artist, and we can all use a bit of their grounded, chill perspective. So let's get to know Aubrey and Jade and talk about their wonderful debut album, Breaking Point. Welcome to Sleuth the Songbird. I'm so excited to have Jade Jackson and Aubrey Sellers. So let's orient the audience since they're listening and there's two of you so they can hear your voices. I'm Aubrey Sellers. I'm Jade Jackson. Hello. (laughs) Now you guys know who you're talking with, but I've gotten the privilege to play on the same stage as Aubrey and just be around town and know her as a talent. We did the CMT Next Women of country show together like a hundred years ago and it was so much fun and you were doing very much what is your sound this cool garage band country just awesome mashup like only you could do and it was just really fun to get to know you and then I've been admiring Jade Jackson from afar where are you today Jane I'm in Nashville you are yeah we moved out here like a a little under five months ago now. So. Welcome. Well, Thank how do you, you like it? I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's really inspiring. There's so many musicians. I live in East Nashville, so there's just like, I feel like everywhere I go, there's music somewhere. Me too. Whether it's somebody playing on their porch or in the bookstore that you go into, it's just really everywhere. Refreshing. It's a cool little creative community that we have for sure. And yeah, I mean, everywhere you go, there's some kind of creative thing happening there, which I feel like is one of the reasons to be here, just to be in close proximity to all that inspiration. And of course, you guys could school everybody on the collaborative energy that you have found with each other and one of the reasons to move here. But I love the story of how you all met. You played back-to-back sets at Americana Fest in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we didn't even meet, but we just followed each other on Instagram after that. <laughs> See, the internet, it's not all bad. <laughs> I, know. I love it. And yeah, Jade reached out to me later about singing on a song of hers that was Hush, which ended up on the record. As soon as she sent it to me, I was like, I love this, which doesn't always happen, you know, and you're like, I'm always scared for people to send me stuff because I'm like, you. <laughs> I hope I right. like it, you know, um, yes. but loved it. <laughs> and she ended up coming down just a few days later to, I was living in LA at the time and she was living like three hours north. Is that right? Yeah. I grew up there. It's like this small little mountain town, about eight miles up the grade from San Luis Obispo County. So it's called Santa Margarita. When we met up, Aubrey was like, you were packing, like you were moving back to Nashville like that next week. Right. So we just caught each other at the right time where I could just drive down there that same weekend we connected and things kind of just happened pretty magically after that. How long after Americana Fest did you, Jade, decide to reach out? It was like within that next year. Aubrey and I were both on tour a lot. I think we both wouldn't have had the time or space to do something Actually, like this. Actually, I can say because we moved in September. So it was probably around August or September that you reached out <laughs> of 2020. 
Okay. But like within a few months, we had an entire record done <laughs> like, wow. of meeting for the first time, which is crazy. And she brought that song and that day that she came to my house, we hit it off like both musically and personally. And we recorded the demo for Hush and the demo for Has Been, which I had already recorded myself doing, but I was like, jump in on this, you know? And I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And then she sent them to the label, like, maybe we can, maybe they'll pay for a single. And then within a few months, we had a whole record done. <laughs> I love the fact that this album was born from the pandemic. And I've heard you guys in some interviews talking about like the double meaning of the album title, Breaking Points. And I'll let you elaborate on that. But it's just kind of cool, especially the fact that you reached out on social media because my mantra since the pandemic began and this just really intense isolation period began was like no shame in the game to just reach out and let people know that you admire them and respect what they're doing. And that's why I started this whole podcast too, is because I missed that camaraderie with artists that I would be backstage with. And just like that whole community, the reason we live in Nashville, the reason we go out on the road and collaborate. And I think it's just so cool that in this period of checking on each other and reaching out and just being like, screw it, I'm going to show my admiration and ask her to sing on this, that it led to this incredible album. And then I guess I'll ask you to elaborate on the title Breaking Point and how that kind of touches on the pandemic and just what you guys were feeling. First of all, you're right, because I'm really happy Jade reached out to me because I have a really hard time doing that. I mean, I can't probably count on the my hand how many times I've reached out to people like that. I get super shy. And also, like, I feel like when I do that, I feel like I don't want the other person to feel obligated to do anything I ask for. So I just never ask. <laughs> like, it's really bad. Anyway, Jade, talk about Breaking Point, because Jade, when she heard the song, she really connected with it. Yeah. Like Aubrey said, a couple months after we met, the record was done. And so, you know, if you rewind, it's like we had only a few weeks to gather up the songs that we wanted to put on the project. And so we were just sending each other things back and forth. And she sent me this song. And I'll never forget, I was driving in like the Whole Foods parking lot and I played it in my car. And I had to like just pull over because I felt like she had written it about something I had just recently went through. And I was just tripped out that we were connected in that way. And Aubrey didn't write the song about a breakup, but that's how I heard it. That's what I felt it was about. I thought it was written for me and my situation. I just really connected to it. So flash forward when we're looking, you know, into what are we going to name the record? When she brought that up, I immediately thought it was great because I remembered the strong connection I had to the song. And then the double meaning that you touched on, which I'll let Aubrey elaborate on because <laughs> she's, yeah. she's great at You guys that. are such pros <laughs> as a duo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like you said, I mean, we came together during the pandemic, which honestly, like if it hadn't happened, we probably never would have come together because we would have been on tour. Like I had just put our record out and was touring that year and obviously everything canceled. So <laughs> it just, everything kind of aligned. And that's why we felt like, we hit it off personally, we hit it off musically. And so we were like stressed out about this whole thing going on in the world and the music business in particular being completely shut down. But then at the same time, it provided us this golden opportunity to work together and for this magic to happen. So we were like, 
that's why breaking point for us has a double meaning because it's like this breaking point in a negative way in the world, but also it was a breaking point for us positively for creativity and being able to work together and, and make this record. Absolutely. I love that there's duality to the title because when you do hear the song, the first time I heard it without any context, I definitely felt like it was, you know, kind of giving it to this guy who was not treating you right. But it was so hard to be creative and like you both being successful solo artists, you probably felt like with the system being broken as well, you just had to kind of look at it from a different angle and your collaboration was the key to you guys being able to put something so amazing together. And I love the partnership that you guys arranged between you as writers. I heard that you had never sung harmony before Jade. Was that true? Yeah. I'd never experimented with that. I just would write songs. And then if somebody else sang with them, I was like, Oh, that sounds good. But I never wrapped my head around how they were doing it. And when I reached out to Aubrey originally, it was actually one of the first times I heard harmonies in my head for a song, and that was Hush. And I heard female harmonies, and I heard them very strong. I didn't know what a master of harmonies Aubrey was when I reached out to her, but it was just like very lucky and very aligned because she's so good at it because she grew up around it. And even Ballinger produced the record as well. Like they both grew up in bluegrass, which is just like if you grew up in bluegrass, you know how to sing harmonies. And so when I met up with them on the first night and we were just doing those demos, they were telling me what to sing. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I don't know how to do that. And they're like, no, you're fine. You'll be fine. It'll be great. I'm like, I, I really don't know. I don't think I can do it. But they basically taught me how to sing harmonies for this record. And now when I'm listening to songs in the car or working on new stuff, I feel like that's something in my arsenal that I didn't have before that I now have. What has it been like to find a collaborative partner who you're so close with after having been in a solo pursuit for a long time? You both have multiple solo records under your belt. We really like connected, like I said, on a personal level. So when we were making the record and doing everything basically for this, like it felt like doing it with your friend or your sister or something, which, you know, you can have, you can collaborate with other artists sometimes and maybe not have that personal connection. So that layer of it has been like an extra blessing. And we're both really introverted, sensitive people. And that can be really hard as a front woman, you know, and being able to play together and do this stuff together, do everything together for this project has been a dream for me because I, I, I like I like doing it with Jade. As an artist, do you think that there's a lot of compartmentalization involved with like being an introvert, but then having your music allow you to be the front person, the extrovert in that space? Yeah. I have people tell me all the time, like, that maybe have seen me perform or something. Oh, I can't believe you're an introvert if you go out on stage and, you know, play in front of thousands of people or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, trust me, I am. Like, it's just something I have to, like, turn on, you know? And I don't know, Jade, how do you feel? Yeah, I feel like being an introvert and just as a kid being kind of socially, I just felt out of place and therefore had a pretty quiet voice. When I discovered songwriting and performing, that was kind of my way out of it. It was kind of the thing that was the scariest 
to me to do. And so I think the universe kind of put that in my lap to help me grow. I can't think of another career path that would get, you know, that shy little girl (laughs) out of her shell quicker than throwing her on the road and having her sing in front of people. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, So I feel like that's just like the universe's way of teaching me what I need to learn. And I still have a long way to go. And, you know, Aubrey and I get along really well. And we're like, always like, you know, personable and like happy and all these things. But sometimes when we're alone, or when I'm alone, it's just like, that's where you kind of get recharged. And I feel like if you're an extrovert, you get charged from the situations. But Aubrey and I go out and are thrown into these situations that actually are depleting us, not in a negative way, but just like energetically, we have to find that space to recharge. And it's been hard to connect with somebody in this industry in that way, because For example, on tour with my band, whom I love, and they're super supportive, but after the show, they want to go out and they want to drink and they want to hang out. And it's just like, I I physically feel like I can't. And I always kind of felt a little bit left out or like outcasted. But with Aubrey, she felt the same way. So I was like, wow, I don't have to like be anything other than myself and we can connect. And that's awesome. (laughs) I think also the expectation, if you're a front person, is that You're just going to be performing all the time. And I think to expound upon that, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I probably would have always considered myself an extrovert until the last like five years. And I think a lot of the change in that is social media and the demand to just always be performative and just in every aspect, like there's just not that break. So filling up the well is so important and having someone that you can be yourself with around and be creative with around without having to be like the life of the party, I feel like would be a very peaceful discovery to make. I recently deleted everything off of my phone except like the basic things like phone messages, GPS, because I'm so tired of being bombarded by that all the time. And you know, I've never been a person who likes posting on social media. I do post, but you know, I don't want to be a content factory. I don't want to be, you know, all that stuff. So like you said, it does feel overwhelming sometimes. Like there's no separation and just no privacy anymore. That's why finding someone like you did in Jade, I feel like would be so paramount to being able to put a record together in a really scary time where we were kind of only living to others in a virtual way. It's pretty awesome. What studio did you guys cut the record in in East Nashville? It's called The Cabin. We were the first people to record there. It's brand new. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Maddie Alger, who, or the first people to make a record there. Maddie Alger, who played drums on the record, opened the studio and he's amazing. And the studio is like this really cool, it has such a good vibe. It's really small and intimate, but it's just like a really he's got great gear there and it's just got a really good vibe. So, and there was only like, you know, we had masks on. It was a weird experience, you know, but it was like Ethan Ballinger on guitar and Maddie Alger on drums, Rich Brinsfield on bass, and then Brandon Bell, the engineer and us. So it was a small crew. And I also heard that like, you didn't go into this being like, we're making a full length LP together. You were just cutting two songs at first, right? Well, that's what we thought when we sent them to the label. But as Jade was talking about earlier, they came back and we're like, we love this. You guys want to make a record? And we were like, yes. (laughs) 
when I drove down when Aubrey was living in LA at the time and we met for the first time and we were really connected. I ended up spending a night at her house and in her house, she had like a little room with like some recording stuff and we cut those demos. We cut Hush and we cut Has Been and we sent them off just hoping to get funding for one to put out as a single. And then they reached back from there and said, can you do 10 songs? Can you do a record? And then from there I flew to Nashville and we cut the 10 songs at the cabin. So the label Anti, I love that they gave you full reign to just do with this record what you wanted. How are they treating this duo versus like your own solo projects? Or is this just something that they're kind of like, you do this and just take your creative freedom to do with it what you want and it doesn't affect your own pursuits? Yeah, it was kind of a separate thing, but Jay can talk about it because she's on Anti and she that's where she put out her other records. Yeah, so I... I have a couple records on Anti, but before I was signed to Anti, I signed a production contract with Mike Ness from Social Distortion. And so because he had already established a relationship with them and he signed to Epitaph, which is their sister label, it's under the same roof. He was kind of my point person and the middleman. So I, you know, I never really got any backlash from them or any like suggestions from them. They were only ever helpful to me and supportive. And in this project, without Mike there, as a buffer, it was kind of the same thing. And I knew this before, but they're just so artist friendly and they really do encourage you to do what you feel is going to be right for you and your sound, which kind of overwhelming. So like, I don't even really know, but okay, sure. But any, but with this project, why it was so beautiful to me is because of the, the time we recorded it, we didn't know if we would be able to tour it. We didn't know if we would be able to I mean, the world was just in such a crazy place that we didn't know anything. Before recording the last couple of records I did with them, I was trying to map out the next year and what was going to happen. And without me realizing it, a lot of that pulled into the creative. And I feel like I was, I personally was like a little bit more stiff in how I created versus doing this with really no expectations other than to have fun and create. I felt like we were able to be more loose and experimental and I just love that. And I feel like you can definitely hear that. It's kind of the, the spirit of the record. What did you glean from that freedom like what will you apply to your creative process going forward that you learned from that kind of untethered process so many things it's really important if you're creating or songwriter to feel like your voice is heard or even to feel like you are important enough to speak your opinions. And so in this situation with Maddie and Ethan, they were like my friends, you know? So I was like, oh, what about this? What about that? Whereas working with Mike, he was like my hero and I didn't want to, you know, I was just learning from him. And this is really the first opportunity I got to just explore myself and add, you know, some creative thought to certain things. So I feel like carrying that forward, if I get into a situation where, 
I feel like kind of like stifled from expressing my creativity, then I'll just pivot into a different situation because I really wouldn't ever want to create something where I didn't feel like I could take this, carry on this spirit in the process. Cause I feel like it lends itself to the songs. It made the songs what they're really supposed to be. I want to talk to you, Aubrey, about your role as a producer and what it felt like to step into that. And if that felt overwhelming at all, or just if you had a vision like going into it, what's your process there? Yeah, and I co-produced my last record too. So, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed by doing it. And Ethan and I have also co-produced another project together before this. So it's just easy. Ethan and I have really similar sensibilities and tastes. So it's not like we're butting heads very often about, you know, what should happen. And also we had just kind of a clear vision on this record. I work pretty organically, like we talked about. And I think, like you said, a lot of Jade's stuff came in here, especially through her songwriting. And then my favorite part of making music is production. So, and being in the studio and that's my favorite part of the whole thing. So for me, that all just kind of naturally came together and, and listening to Jade's music too. I felt like one of the things we had in common was our love of rock. And so this record, we just pushed even more in that direction. I mean, we've been, we've been accepted in the Americana community, but we've been calling this record indie rock because it's pretty rock. <laughs> oh, I think and you so, guys would belong in so many spaces and you would check so many boxes as far as what category of music you're making. Thank you. Yeah. So we just had that, you know, that kind of general outlook going into it. And we made a playlist of some inspirations, but I don't typically pull out too much of that just because I like to get the right people in the room and then let it happen organically. And that's something that I learned from Frank Liddell, my stepdad who co-produced Far From Home with me and then produced my first record. Um, I just feel like he's really great at getting the right people in the room and then letting everybody do their thing. I mean, you're working with some of the greatest musicians in the world. Why would you not let them play? (laughs) You know? So it's a very organic process and yeah, I just always have kind of just a general idea of what I want sonically going into a project, but I also leave room for creativity. You talk about some inspirations, and I thought it was so cool, some of the covers that you guys chose. Like, I actually didn't know who Julie Miller was. Julie, yes, she's my favorite. Yeah, I didn't know who she was until I heard your cover of The Devil is an Angel too. how you open the record. I think it's really cool that you're paying tribute to another female artist who's your favorite as like the opening track. That's awesome. Like, I wish Julie was a household name, but it also makes me feel good that we exposed you to Julie. <laughs> you did. Thank you for that. <laughs> because she's like my favorite songwriter and artist. And then obviously Buddy Miller her husband who produces and plays on all her stuff, like their collaboration to me is just like, there's nothing better than that. But Jade could talk about this, but she hasn't really done many covers before. So I, I sent her that and then we did the Susie Quattro song, Wild One. And then has been is technically a cover. I always had it in my head that we should always do originals because how else would the world hear them? 
And it wasn't like a hating against cover songs. I just, that was just never a thought that crossed my mind. And when Aubrey had brought it up, I was hesitant because I was like, well, we have so many songs, but I'm so glad that I trusted her. And now just like the harmonies thing, I'm a fan of it. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what other songs can I cover and make my own? And it was a great experience. And the Susie Quattro song and Devil's an Angel as well, like, I don't know, Aubrey, would you say they're like the fun, the really fun, like probably my favorite ones to play live. Yeah, Devil's really fun too, because we were in addition to harmony, like there's even a lot of like unison singing, which I've never really done a lot of, but it's like our vocal tones are so different that they're fun to sing together. So it just it's like a different spirit. And yeah, like she said, Devil's an Angel is super fun. As soon as Ethan started playing the riff like that, because if you listen to the original, it's really different we did like a rock version and, and as soon as he started playing that riff i was like oh my god this is so fun like and ethan's guitar playing is just like ridiculous he's i know one of those like nashville players that's just always had his own sound and just played on the coolest records including your own but i totally feel that sentiment that you're saying about like we write all these songs and like this is my record i'm supposed to be putting my original thoughts but And I think we should be precious with our music, but not precious in the sense that we'll never get the chance to put more music out and the best song wins. And if you are thinking of an album in a conceptual way and you're honoring those songs that will accommodate in context what you've written the best, then like you're really servicing the record as a whole. And I think that's so cool. And NPR said that your Wild Ones cover was the best it's ever sounded. So, I mean, that was pretty badass. <laughs> that was such that was a nice review. Cool. We were like, woo! You said, like, you know, don't feel like you can't record a song later or whatever. I mean, a good example of that is The World is Black on this record. I had actually recorded in pre-production for my first record, and I've loved that song the whole time. There was nothing about it that I was like, oh, it's not good enough to be on this record or whatever. But it's like you said, it's like, where does it fit? And you have, especially in your first record, you have so many songs you're, like, trying to, you know, put a puzzle together. And I'm really glad that I kept held onto it and, and played it for her for this because I feel like it really fits on this project. So, Yeah. Jade, you can always bring your songs yeah. back. I think just knowing that you are prolific and that you can release as many songs, I mean, given your labels admiration for both of you and what you're doing that should feel good but even without all of that extra support like you're an artist you'll make music and it will be sustainable and it's not a flash in the pan and I think that your decision to incorporate covers just because you really loved them is a testament to the fact that what I assume is you'll be around and making music for a long time because this is not the last album you'll make, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also, like, going back to bluegrass or traditional country, I mean, people do standards, the same standards over and over. You know, I'm used to growing up around people just covering uh, songs you're familiar with, too. So I was just more familiar with that, and I've never been scared of that. And I also just love doing it. So I did a covers EP 
at the end of 2022, just because I love covering songs. So, and like you said, I mean, I can easily be in like a pessimistic mindset. I'm just kind of a critical thinker, but I've been trying to live in a more abundant mindset, you know, just to go back to what you just said. That's exactly what I've been thinking is like, I don't need to worry about the details. Like in some way I'll be able to record something (laughs) again, you know? Totally. And I mean, when I was looking up all the things you guys have done, of course, the question I was like, oh, I have to ask them like when they're going to make their next project. But then I kind of rolled back on that because the perception that I get from you guys and what you're doing is that like you're Bowie and Jagger and you'll get together and make some amazing music because you have fun doing it, but you don't feel like you have to do this as a duo indefinitely. And like, if you don't make consecutive projects and that's the dissolution of this partnership. So I just feel like you guys are having fun and making great music and there's not that obligation to having to do that. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, that's like, exactly what Jade has said. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, I'm like, when's the next Jackson Sellers project, but it ain't like that. It doesn't feel yeah. like that. You know, it's kind of like, exactly. this is really cool that two incredible artists with autonomy came together during such a shitty time to do this. And I hope we get to see that collaboration happen again and again, but it's also just kind of exciting to see where you guys will both pivot. And that I think also manifests itself in how this music can fit in so many different genres comfortably. Thank you. I mean, the way this whole process happened, how organic it was and fun and quick and freeing, I just feel like we're not going to create something else together unless the universe does that again for us, which I think it will. But, you know, just not having, I think there's something you said, like obligation and expectations and things like that. Like those are the things that from this record on, I want to leave behind when I'm creating and it can get confusing and the water's a little muddy because you're also trying like as an artist, like where I stand, it's like, I'm still trying to make a living. I'm trying to make it so that I don't have to waitress anymore, you know? So the business side can really creep into projects. If you're, if you want something to do a certain thing. And what I've realized from this process is you can only really want what's best for that song and that sound. And that creation is going to be far more important than if you were to do something for a different reason. And then, oh, you don't have to waitress. I'd rather waitress. This record does tell me I'd rather waitress the rest of my life and put out records like this than be financially sustainable and put something out that I don't want to listen to. That is so true. I've been going through the exact same process. I was even talking to my mom the other day about how music is just more sacred to us than that. And I literally, just like you said, would rather do another job than do something out of obligation for the industry part of it. Because to me, obligation is the antithesis of creativity and you shouldn't be forced to create anything. And, you know, it's a difficult spot because managers and people rely on artists for their income, you know, but I think there has to be some kind of happy medium or at least another system where they're not relying on you to, to create constantly to live. So, so yeah, I've been living the exact same way. I just, I view music as really sacred and I don't know if art and business 
really belong together. <laughs> They're not the most compatible pair <laughs> yeah. at all. I understand out of necessity that that's the reason like genre was even created. It was someone in the marketing room needing to be like, well, what is it? And I get <laughs> yeah. that. I get that these are necessary evils and that this is a business, but oftentimes I think that people wanting to pivot creatively or make music on a schedule that's their own or do a collaboration that might abandon what everyone's preconceived idea of you is might be misinterpreted as not having a crazy ass work ethic, but it's really hard work and it never stops and it's unrelenting. And it's just a matter of doing what you love so that that music is the best it can be and that you can honor yourself and put all of yourself into that music. Did you guys feel like your unexpected kind of collaboration was just totally re-energizing for you as musicians and artists? For me, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I had done a lot with like acoustic guitar and like I kind of like had a recipe of my sound and this collaboration and creation leaned more on the side of like experimenting and layering pedals and Aubrey's like, oh, let me pick up this. What was that, a mode? Was it Moog? Yeah, I played Moog, I think, in a... What's the other one I freaking love? Those white keyboards, they're, like, so expensive. Mellotron? <laughs> yeah, Mellotron. 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 Yeah, yeah, she's like, oh, I'm just going to, like, play this That's over That's Strawberry here. Fields <laughs> yes. piano. Right. She, you know, just experimenting sonically and going outside your comfort zone, it's been super inspiring. I've since, you know, started gathering pedals. I just bought, you know, I just bought my first pedal board. Yeah. Um, I picked up electric guitar. You know, I have a piano in my room. I've been playing some mandolin. Like, I'm just... I'm venturing outward from that safe acoustic space that I was like cocooned in for my whole life, really. You know, it's just like a new love for that type of creation. I haven't mastered it, but just even having it in my space, in my room, looking at those instruments and it kind of plants these little seeds. And then when I do create, let's see what happens, you know, it's probably gonna be a lot different than if I didn't have those pedals staring at me. Even making my first record, like when I switched from doing acoustic guitar vocals to electric, it was like my whole world opened up. And that's when like my sound kind of, I was like, oh, this is it, you know, because it just opens you up more. There's like more possibility, more, you know, new sounds just inspire you. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Jade and Aubrey. Isn't it so cute to listen to them talk about each other? You can just tell that they really love working with one another. I think they have such a healthy attitude about their collaboration. Obviously, it yielded something wonderful and beautiful with Breaking Point. But I think that we all might need a little creative spring awakening and they were able to do that by working with each other in a really dark time and i'm thinking about ways right now that i can re-energize and revitalize and just freshen up my perspective so what is a jay jackson or aubrey sellers 
to your soul's counterpoint is the question. All right, let's get back into it. With the A&R process, because the label was so hands-off, what did it look like for you guys to go through all these songs that you both had written kind of separately? And like, how did you decide what was going to go on the record? Well, when we had originally met, like, again, like my intention was to show her Hush and see if she'd sing harmonies on it, if it would vibe, if it would be weird. And it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And she's like, listen to this one. And I, we probably showed each other like four or five songs that day. So we already had in the back of our minds some possible things. Never dreamed we'd get to do a record. But then what, like a week later, we're like, oh, we're doing a record. So I remember, you know, she had played me Fairweather. She had like a recording of it on her computer. And I loved that. So I was like, yeah, we got to do that one. And I had played her As You Run that day. And so she remembered that one and wanted that one on the record. And then the other ones, you know, just like Breaking Point when I was driving in the car, just like doing our day-to-day life, we'd be sending each other songs. And if she resonated with the ones that I sent, they were on the record and the same with me. So it happened pretty quickly because I really am a fan of her stuff. And I got three originals. She got three originals. We wrote one together. And then we have three covers by the women we were talking about. And Jade has a ton of songs. And like she sent us a folder to pick kind of like the final song because we knew we were going to do Hush. We knew we were going to do As You Run. And that's how we found Waster Time in that pile. And I love that song. It's like my favorite one on the record. It has such a fun energy. Was there anything that you guys disagreed on as far as like, (laughs) it feels just so blissful. Like was the track listing, the arrangement of the songs, was that something that you guys kind of went back and forth on or? We joke because people will be like, you know, what challenges did you have? And like, we're like, none. Like we've had plenty of challenges in our solo careers, you know, doing, working with people or whatever else, but it really was kind of magical. I also think because we're both very sensitive and intuitive, like we we weren't trying to force anything upon each other or we could kind of read each other's signals naturally, you know? So there just wasn't, yeah, it just kind of fell together, I feel like. I mean, I don't know, Jade. <laughs> like the closest thing to what you just asked us was probably like her, Ethan, and I sitting in a circle going through the songs for the first time once I got to Nashville a few days before we were in the studio. And we got to As You Run and I was like, I hear this is like an acoustic, you know, ballad. And then Ethan was like, well, like, why don't we try it on electric guitar? And I was like, well, okay. Like that was the hardest thing that, you know, that was like the, com- <laughs> that was the conflict. And then as soon as he played it on electric guitar, I was like, oh shit, like that's how it's supposed to sound. So that I think when you trust the people that you're working with, there's not a lot of conflict. Also, like I told Jade, you know, like, not to stress about things. Like if we get in the studio and we play it and you don't like it, we're not going to do it. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's like one thing that I wanted to stress to her was like, we're not going to make you do something you don't want to do. You know, experimenting should be fun. Not like, 
if you say, you know what, I don't like this, then we're not going to do it. <laughs> right. It's that beautifully simple. I'm taking all of this energy into my next album <laughs> recording process. Because yes. it's so true. I mean, I think probably the context of 2020 facilitated this attitude a little bit because you were like, when are we going to tour? So much ambiguity. What do we have to lose? But in a way, that's kind of what we should be applying to all of our creative mm -hmm. endeavors is like, we always have everything to lose, really. But this is why it's so exciting and thrilling. And it's subjective. It's music. And it's abstract. And just I, I need you to be like my therapist when I'm in the studio, Aubrey, and just be like, if you don't like it, we'll change it. It's fine. <laughs> but it's so true. It's like, like you said, I mean, that's how it's in your control. Yes, it is like, you know, and that's why, you know, and obviously you want to set yourself up with a label like Anti or, or anyone who will facilitate that for you or with you, you know, but you shouldn't be stressed about creating, you know, and it can feel that way sometimes because you're like, we have five days and, you know, this much money. <laughs> but that like, is a thing that can, uh, yeah. can inevitably stress any artist out is that reality click in of. Yeah, I feel like even that, though, it's like, OK, well, if we don't get it in five days, then we'll figure out. Enough. You know what I mean? Like, you'll figure it out. That's, I think, the attitude you need to be able to relax fully and be like, we just need to create. And then it ends up happening because you were chill. <laughs> Truly. It's not like, well, you got to share this with the world. Regardless, you are yeah, exactly. bound to like, this. It's coming out in a week. <laughs> well, that's so awesome. Yeah. Your get back documentary would be like really short and beautiful. <laughs> <I think. laughs> You're like, okay, we'll go electric. Have you always... <laughs> possessed that kind of approach when you're in the studio? This was definitely probably the freest I felt, but I wouldn't say that my other records were not like that. I think I learned that process or that approach from my examples growing up because that's how my family made records, you know? So great music came out of that process from what I witnessed. So for me, it was just kind of natural. And it's funny too, because like I'm a creative person, but I can also be kind of type A, but I just don't, that doesn't, come into my creative process. Those are like different worlds. Then like when the record's done, my type A starts. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to shift into the promotion mode and everything. Did you, Jade, have an environment, like obviously you worked with Mike Ness and he's been a part of so many cool projects and social distortion. But beyond that, did you have kind of like where Aubrey had her mom cutting records and she got to see Frank Liddell producing. Did you get a lot of exposure to that kind of climate when you were growing up? No, not at all. <laughs> no, my, my dad was a huge music fan and my parents were anti-technology. So they created an environment for me in our home where really the only source of entertainment was a record player. And so I fell in love with music but I was never immersed in that world. I dreamed about Nashville, but you know, I wasn't around people in Nashville and the town I lived in was only 1100 people. And my parents had the only restaurant there and I started working there full time when I was 13. So when I started playing music, it was always just like, I had these like small town dreams and the whole town kind of supported them. And 
I started playing on the patio at my dad's restaurant, played at a coffee shop across the street and did that for about 10 years before I met Mike. But when I met Mike, that was really my first glance into the world of people who have actually succeeded at what they're doing. And by that, I mean, like they've made it their living and they can support themselves and they do it day in and day out. And I'd never seen that, that up close. And so when I worked with him, I was so much like a student. I just wanted to study and understand and, and I learned a lot, but this project as well, I was able to learn a lot and I was able to lean on Aubrey because she came from a place where she knew the industry so well. I had like ideas about maybe what happened or what goes on, but she actually had experience. And so that's where it was nice to be like, you know, she was saying how she was telling me like, it's okay. Like we can just go in if you don't like it. Like I didn't know that, you know, I was like trying to plan everything out. I was like, well, what if this, what if that? Cause I'm just like a planner, you know, <laughs> which isn't conducive sure. for a touring musician, but I still try, I just kind of can't shake that. And she helped me shake that. And I think it was the best thing for the creative process. I love to finish these podcasts by asking my guests what they perceive to be the advantages of being women in the industry, because I think so often we focus on what's challenging about it. And of course, those challenges are there, but I think that there's also a lot of benefits to our perspective. I have an answer because even while we're recording this podcast, I had this thought but of how collaborative our energy is and how non-competitive, like, (laughs) you know, I felt like I'm not saying that men are always competitive with each other, but I just feel like we have a natural openness and empathy as women that allowed us to maybe have such a magical experience with each other. So that would be an advantage. I think we have. And I also think that some of the disadvantages you may say that women have in the industry, like not getting similar opportunities for radio or whatever else could be seen as, you know, there's a silver lining at least in that women are making some of the most interesting records as a result. So I think there's kind of like two sides to everything in that way. Maybe not everything, but some things. (laughs) No, I, I totally agree with that being a catalyst for some of the best music. It's like, fine, I'll get in where I fit in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Jade? I've always felt more connected to... Okay, remember when you said I could take stuff off? <laughs> <laughs> this is a hard one for me to comment on. It's hard for me to find the words, but okay, say. I agree with what Aubrey was saying. I feel like we both shared this like empathetic, sensitive side that like she said, like not all men are going to be competitive and egoic or whatever, but I feel like sometimes when you get real sensitive or emotional to be able to create with another woman who feels the same hormonal inflection, you know, it's just like, it was really (laughs) nice to be able to create in that way. And I think that over the last handful of years if not before there's been so many positive things so many women coming together to collaborate because it was kind of like oh well wait maybe if we join hands maybe because we feel like this industry is so male dominated it's hard to like be seen but what if we all join together then maybe we could be seen you know and I feel like it subconsciously caused women to collaborate and create really cool stuff and so that's definitely positive 
Well, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Aubrey and Jade. I certainly did. Make sure to give them a follow on their socials at Jackson Sellers Music. Make sure to stream, download, buy, save their new album, Breaking Point by Jackson Sellers. And to keep up with me and my music, follow me on all my socials at I am Maggie Rose. All my tour dates are available at MaggieRoseMusic.com. And you can get exclusive Salute the Songbird content, live streams, and just exclusive content from me in general if you follow me at With the Band. And I just want to give you guys a few updates. I am playing a bunch of shows coming up. I'm playing Fayetteville, Arkansas this weekend at JJ's Live. I'm playing the Double Decker Festival in Oxford, Mississippi on April 23rd. I'm headed down to Louisiana to play Baton Rouge at Chelsea's Live. I'm also going to be making a few appearances at New Orleans Jazz Fest. I'm playing Houston, Texas at Cullen Performance Hall with Kingfish and rejoining him there. And also at ACL Live at the Moody Theater in Austin, Texas on April 30th. So go check out all my tour dates. We're back. It's so exciting and so fun. And I can't wait to see you all out there. Salute the Songbird is brought to you by Osiris Media, hosted by Maggie Rose, produced by Austin Marshall, Maggie Rose, and Kirsten Cluthy, with production assistance from Grace Romer and Kip Young, edited by Justin Thomas of Revoice Media, music by Maggie Rose, show logo by Premier Music Group, graphics by Catherine Boyles and Mark Dowd. Now to close out the show, here's The Devil is an Angel by Jackson Sellers.
angel too. Osiris. <laughs> <laughs>